So, the last <laughs> big, oh, that's, it's about to say, let's see here. Okay, I see. So this all falls under the, the big point of the work of Jesus Christ, the work of Christ. Of course, then he went on in, the writer talked about redemptive, redemption, and the work under the death of Jesus Christ, to say. So as it pertained to people, as it pertained to uh, the devil, and uh, so on and so forth along those lines. The death, the, and I think there were some other points there, the nature of it, the necessity of the de- uh, the importance of it, the necessity of it, and the nature of it. All his dealing with his death. As we wind that up, the last point, under his death and the nature, I think it was the last last one there. No, it was the scope of it, the scope of his death, uh, which is the last last point there. We're going to finish up the scope of his death and then get into the introduction <clears throat> of his resurrection. <clears throat> and, you know, I know I was referred to... Um, in Brother Tim's Sunday school class on Sunday night, back to what I had brought out on Sunday morning, and I hope it was clear, my 15 minutes of the Sunday school in the adult Sunday school you know, was clear. At least I was a little confused uh, about some things. And uh, like I said, minutes of Sunday school uh, about the, his death, burial, and resurrection which, you know, the death we commemorate on the Lord's table and then his resurrection, which we commemorate with, the, with baptism and the picture of his resurrection uh, in the fact that we enter into uh, baptism and the, and the significance of being dead to ourselves and raised in newness of life to walk in, in, in things like that. But there's a picture of the resurrection Christ uh, that you know, those are that's the emphasis that that God through His Word has placed upon the church that we should emphasize. And so there again, you know, yes, the birth of Christ is important. I know this time of the year we're already hearing the songs on the radio and here and there in places, you know, the grocery store. I mean, the well, the grocery store, department store, everywhere else. But. Um, we're hearing the songs, and, and, and like I said, a lot of people in their discussion, and so on and so forth. But, you know, as a church and the church ordinances, Christ himself giving instruction to, uh, to the church and to the churches through the, through the epistles, uh, many, many at the, at the letter at the hand of Paul, as he wrote there, the emphasis is on his, on the, his death and on his resurrection. Yeah, it, he had, and we're going to see a little bit of it in this last point here about the uh, scope of the death of Christ. In this last picture here, we will see kind of, uh, you know, how it pertained, we've seen how it pertained to man, how it pertained to the devil, and, and the devils. And then tonight, right, the last one here, Satan, in relation to Satan and his powers of darkness, which is our last week's lesson. And tonight we're going to look at the scope of the death of Christ in relation to the material universe. 
the material universe. And of course, you'll, you, I want to go ahead and basically translate this paragraph by one of the writers that's here. But there had to be a place. You know, before, before anything was, we know according to the scriptures that that Christ was as the Lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world. So that was already a scope, if you want the scope of it, in God's mind. God had already predetermined that he was coming to the earth. And he had already predetermined he was going to die. Okay? But there was no earth. <laughs> When he predetermined it. There was no time when he predetermined it. There was no tree for him to hang on. But he knew that he would. There was no Calvary, Golgotha, the place of the skull, made yet. And so so it was as if the scene of Calvary, the purpose of Calvary... The redemptive work of Calvary had to have a place for that to take place. So it's like a a canvas that all that took place on, and that's creation. And so the scope of the death of Christ in relation to material universe, Colossians 1. And like I said, as I read... The wordy ride, the wordy commentator. That's kind of where he's getting to, but we're going to see it here in the scripture, Colossians chapter one, verses nineteen and twenty. For it pleased the Father that in Him should uh, should all fullness dwell, and having made peace, again we're talking about the blood of the cross and His work on the cross. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Again, he's talking about the material universe that, you know, all these things were reconciled to himself. And then we're going to see, uh, so it says, see further, Romans chapter 8. And I know we recently were, the, is, were there in Sunday school, Romans chapter 8, verses 20 through 23. Um, For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. Because the creature itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation. So it's not just dealing with man in his cross work. He's dealing with creation in his cross work. Somehow, some way. And again, the writer here in another paragraph that we'll get to here in a moment, he's like, you know, we're, you know, we can kind of get a glimpse through the writings of Paul here, but we're not going to fully understand, <laughs> probably, until we get on the other side 
of all that was involved. You know, we see how it was involved in the in the redemption work, we, which is you know really deep, and the reconciliation. We understand how it pertains to us when we are reconciled and we have been redeemed. We understand that in salvation, but when it comes to all the creation, there were some things that was taken care of in creation on the cross of Calvary that we don't we we don't fathom and we don't fully understand and might not until we get to the other side, like the old song says, we'll understand it better by and by. And so it might be one of those things. But anyway, so verse number... Right. For we, yeah, for we know that... And we're going to... Yeah, it's kind of the way that they write it. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. All right, so... Uh, so here's the, the statement by Mr. Wordy Man, Symington. All right. The creation of the world, there is every reason to believe, was with the view of its being a theater. I use the word canvas. He used the word theater. Was with the view of its being a theater on which to exhibit the work of man's redemption by the eternal Son. It is the workmanship of his hand. This is the purpose which it serves, and that it was framed with a view to it serving its purpose is surely no disputable assertion. The apostle, in expressed terms, not only claims, going back up to Colossians 1, 19 and 20, the apostle, in expressed terms, not only, claim, uh, yeah, not only claims for Christ the honor of the world's creation, but asserts the purpose of its creation to terminate in him. All things were created by him and for him. So he created it and it's going to be terminated in him. He is the the final as well as the efficient cause of this world's creation. Our earth was selected as the chosen spot on which the mystery of redemption was to be displayed. And all the scenes of the mediatorial economy were here exhibited. The advent of the promised Messiah took place here. Here was led his instructive life. Here were wrought his wondrous miracles. Here were spoken his still more wondrous words. Here were born his mysterious sufferings. Here was accomplished his awful decease. And here were achieved his glorious victories over men and devils, over sin and death. So there had to be the theater. We knew that the work was going was already set to be accomplished before the foundation of the world. But uh, in the fact that he, all things were created by him and for him, then there's the theater that the redemption took place. And, uh, you know, like I said, the place of the skull, which, you know, if you've seen some pictures, it's the rocks, and it kind of looks like it could be a skull. The tree that was hewn out to be the cross, none of that was here. <laughs> But that was instruments in the redemptive work of Christ. The empty tomb. We're going to see that in a minute. Or that's probably next time. But maybe we'll get there this time. But, uh, you know, the, all this stuff, uh, the theater that it all took place in, 
was created by him and for him. And then, of course, this is probably writing from Mr. Bancroft. It says, Just as the material universe was in some mysterious manner affected by the fall of man, so also it is, and then in parentheses, uh, so, oh, no, no, I'm sorry. So also it, so also is it, there we go, affected by the death of Jesus Christ, which was intended to neutralize the effect of sin, getting to what Brother Tim just mentioned, which was intended to neutralize the effect of sin upon the creation. Here is a cosmical effect in the atonement. The Christ of Paul is larger than the second Adam, the head of a new humanity. He is also the center of a universe which revolves around him, which is in some mysterious way reconciled by his death. Just how this takes place we may not be able definitely to explain. Colossians 1.20, And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. So we might not totally understand the scope of it all, but at the same time, there's a reconciliation that's, taken, that's, that's taken place by and through the death of Jesus Christ, including the creation realm. All right? So, uh, so anyway. Uh, and again, it's because sin, sin affected creation. Just think of what the garden was, what the earth was prior to sin. No thorns. Woo! <laughs> And if there was a flower mosquito, they didn't buzz around in your ears. <laughs> I'm sure. so, so anyway, those things uh, that, that affected creation, just the, the fruitfulness of the ground, you know, it was, was affected by sin. And so those things were redeemed. Uh, and then uh, he writes, Someday there shall be new heavens and a new earth, Wherein dwelleth righteousness, Second Peter three thirteen. Of course, we haven't got there yet in our studies here, but this will be a pre thing here. So, Second Peter three, verse thirteen. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. All right. Um, so anyway, so there's that. Let's see uh, where we at. Okay, so let's go. Let's just run a couple more references here. Hebrews nine twenty three. Let's see here. Come on, Douglas. There it is. Hebrews 9.23, It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. And then, let's see, yeah, there's uh, or 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Might as well grab the finished sentence. Uh, Nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. 
And that kind of brings us back to the focus on his death and the work that it has. So here's Mr. Newell saying, A great fundamental doctrine runs all through, the script, all through Scripture, creation unto new creation. By this we simply mean that in the, first of, in the first or present creation, which began at the point in which the remote past called the beginning, Genesis 1-1, God is having the tremendous issues between sin and holiness, light and darkness, himself and all opposed to him, once and forever wrought out. When this has been accomplished, he will bring in a new creation wherein shall dwell perfect righteousness, and which, being founded upon the work of Christ and not upon the faithfulness of mere creatures, shall never pass away. And he references Revelation 21 and 2 Peter 3. And then here's the doctrinal statement concerning the scope of the death of Christ in relation to um, creation or in relation to what did I say in relation to the material universe here's the doctrinal statement through the death of Christ the whole material universe all things in earth and things in heaven is reconciled to God so it's not just our souls not just you know man's souls reconciled but nature itself the, the things in earth and the things in heaven alright so now we're putting off the, we're finished up with the death of Christ and all the scopes and everything like that, evidences of and so on and so forth. And we're going to introduce now the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. All right. And then, yeah, we will get to So his resurrection was necessary to, to his being believed in as a Savior. A dying, crucified God, a Savior of the world who could not save himself would have been ex- exploded. Might have been supposed to have been exploited, but I don't know, exploded. <laughs> By the universal consent of reason as a horrible paradox and absurdity. Had not the resurrection followed the crucifixion, that scoff of the Jews had stood as an unanswerable argument against him. Quote, Himself he cannot save. Let him come down from the cross and we will believe in him. Unquote. Um, Otherwise, surely that which was the lowest instance of human weakness and mortality could be no competent demonstration of a deity. To save is the effect of power and of such a power as prevails to a complete victory. But it is expressly affirmed that Christ was crucified through weakness. Death was too hard for his humanity and bore away the spoils of it for a time. So that while Christ was in the grave, men might as well have expected that a person hung in chains should come down in death and head an army as, as, um, as imagine that a dead body continuing such would be able to triumph over sin and death which so potently triumphs over the living. The discourse of the two disciples going to Emmaus and expecting no such thing as a resurrection was, upon that supposition, hugely rational and significant. So we could go and turn there, but they, in conversing with themselves, said to themselves, quote, We trusted, said they, that this had been he which should have redeemed Israel. 
And the thing, you got to kind of step back a minute and look at where they had been. They were still looking for someone to deliver them in their minds from the Romans to set up an earthly kingdom. So, So a lot of their hope was dashed when Christ went to the cross. If, if it had just stopped there, not only, like, like the writer was talking here, not only would any hope of putting, you know, uh, our faith in a Savior that died, just like the people that, that believe in Confucius or Muhammad or Buddha or any, any of those other bunches of people as their Redeemer, all of them are in the grave. What hope do they have? And we would have been in the same place. Just we might as well just you know served a wooden idol, served you know worship the sun and 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 the things that people worship that don't worship Christ. Just like Paul on Mars Hill, he's seen you know one to this one and one to that 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 one and finally got to the one oh here's one to the unknown God just in case. And he stood and declared to the whole outfit, let me declare unto you him. He's the creator of all things. (laughs) This unknown God is is Lord of lords, king of kings. He is the creation of all things. He made all things. He made you. He made me. He himself come to this earth. He was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. And not only died for our sins according to the gospel, but was buried, and on the third day he rose again. (laughs) And he was seen, and I was a witness. You know, we're witnesses to these things and these facts. And so he conquered death, and he conquered hell, and in conquering death, he Faith in him, you can have eternal life. And that's the, that's the message. And um, so the resurrection and the importance of it is the fact that if, if he never had gotten up, then why are we, why am I here, you know? And, and, and why are we preaching what we're preaching and teaching what we're teaching? And just like they said, we trusted, said they, that this had been he which should have redeemed Israel. But we, but then, you know, when, when they're looking on the outside, they just see a defeated Savior, a defeated man who's seen himself. Of course, there's a lot of things in the seven sayings of the cross and the fact he cried like the King James teaches us and, and uses it. And, and denotes it is he cried with a loud voice. And anybody weak in death would not have been able to cry out like he did. Father, forgive them. Or I commend my spirit. And he gave up the goat. He laid down his life. And then he, by his own power, took it up again. 
And, 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 and so he didn't die. But, but again, if he wasn't at the foot of the cross and you, and you just heard word, Jesus, who we have been following, who we've seen to do the miracles, who we've heard his messages on the, you know, his teachings, never speak a man like he did. And now we've gotten word that he died? And they buried him up in Joseph's tomb? Kind of dashing some hopes. I don't want to bring politics into it, but we see images. In fact, I seen a montage a few weeks ago of some past elections where you have both parties and you got the big, they're, they're waiting for the count so they can celebrate. Both camps are in their, their party phase and they're all pumped up looking for the results. And then it was funny because the one that I seen, this was several years back, it showed them all. I mean, they was just, they were just all pumped up and everything. And all the, the talking heads on the news channels was like, yeah, it looks like it's going to go. And then as the night went on, this crowd got deflated. <laughs> this crowd got inflated as far as their emotions go. And, I, and that's a very, very shallow and carnal illustration. But when we are behind the candidate and it looks like, you know, that they might would win, yeah, we're up here. But then as the numbers come in and we start seeing, oh, don't look like our, our people got in. We get a little deflated in our spirit. Well, that's what happened to, the road, to the, these two disciples on the road to Amazus. They questioned. We, this, we thought he was the one that's going to redeem Israel. <laughs> but along came Christ and, and, and went all the way back to the Old Testament time and, said, and started explaining himself through the Old Testament scriptures. And then their eyes was opened, bing, and then he disappeared. <laughs> oh, and how it burned in them then. Now you're talking about being inflated again. And they ran all the way back. Tell all the disciples, we done, we done seen the resurrected Christ. Anyway, that being said, Thereby clearly implying that upon his death they had let all conf- they had let confidence fall to the ground together with him, for they could not imagine that a breathless carcass could chase away the Roman eagles and so recover the Jews from under their subjection, which was the redemption that even the disciples, till they were further enlightened, promised themselves from their Messiah. But the argument would, equal, would equally, nay, more strongly hold against a spiritual redemption, supposing his continuance under, under a state of death as being a thing in itself much more difficult. For how could such an, uh, such an one break the kingdom of darkness and set his foot upon the principalities and powers and spiritual weakness in high places, who himself fell a sacrifice to the wickedness of mortal men and remained a captive in the lower parts of the earth? reduced to a condition not only below men's envy, but below their feet. There's where, if he had stayed in the ground, men would be. Just like the Mohammedans, just like the Buddhists, just like Confucians, just like all the, all the, the multiplicity of gods, 
like Chris took down off the wall when he moved when he moved that Hindu person. Big elephant coming down. Don't drop that. That's my God. What? That's your God. Was that made by man's hands? Well, sure it was. What, what power does he have? What ear does he have to hear? What eyes does he have to see? And if Christ never had resurrected, then we would have been in the same boat. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, we will get further. The fact, you know, how this has been, when it presents a, it presents a, um, a uh, subject, and then it talks about the fact of it. So here's the fact of it in the Scriptures. That's why we went to Bibliology first. The fact of the resurrection of Christ. 2 Timothy. Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to, to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. So, you know, it's declared in the Scripture. Again, going back to our first study, Bibliology, look, if we can't believe the Bible, then, I mean, that's our foundation. And, of course, if, if we believe that the Bible is God's word and there's proofs and we went through all the proofs and stuff that it is, then we read about it, that he got up, and we can put our faith in the fact that he got up. Matthew chapter 28 Matthew 28, verse number 6. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay, where the Lord lay. Hallelujah. And then, Mark 16, 6. And he said to them, Be not affrightened. You see, Jesus of Nazareth, he was, uh, which was crucified, he is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. Luke 24. And verse number 6. Let me back up. <clears throat> Let's see here. <clears throat> Let me go back to verse number 1. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, unto, now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments." And as they were afraid and bowed their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, 
and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. He told them time and time and time again. And he said even the sign of Jonah. As Jonah was in the belly of the well, three days and three nights. So he would be in there, but he was going to get up again. They just couldn't grasp a hold of it, even all the way up to the end. Yes. Right. Well, you know, when we have ascribed paradise versus hell in Luke 16, paradise could have been in the heart of the earth as long as well as the uh, hell because there was that great gulf fixed between the two. One couldn't pass from the other. One couldn't pass from one. So paradise could have been well in the heart of the earth. Because Christ descended, all right? So in that sense, as he descended, he doesn't necessarily hit flame, but he was in the heart of the earth, in paradise delivering them out as the first fruit. So that heart of the earth and the flames of hell then, no. I, I, I ascribe it the same, that when God turned his back, and all of judgment fell upon him, and and and, and that that uh, work of redemption was taking place, and the judgment for our sins. I think that was all on the cross because during the three days, if you go back to the three days, as Jonah was three days and three nights, then he was three days and three nights. But he had a he had some work that he was doing. In those three days and three nights, he went and preached to the captivity. Uh, he also, in that time frame, you know, had gotten up and carried his blood and put it upon the mercy seat. Mercy seat of the Lord. Yes, yes, that's a good point. He cried, it is finished before. Then it was, it was finished. That meant all the, all the judgment was finished. That's a good, that's a good point. 
the judgment was finished on the top side. <laughs> I understand. You just got to compare Scripture with Scripture, and, and you know. Uh, yeah. Right. Right. Try to rightly divide it. Pray for wisdom in that too. Yes. At Calvary. At Calvary, poured out his judgment. He poured out his judgment. Yeah, that happened all topside. <laughs> yeah. Right. That does it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. It was all finished. Except for him getting up. I mean, I think he took his blood, he put it upon the mercy feet seat that was in heaven. That was the, the, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat that was pictured in, in, in Moses' day. It was a semblance of the one that was in heaven, just like the tabernacle that was on the earth is exactly like one in heaven. And he took his blood and he put it upon the mercy seat. Once and for all. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Right. That'll work. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good input. All right. So we've finished. I say it is. It is one of the best authenticated facts of human history. And I had to look this one up. It is buttressed and supported by corroborative proof such as is found in connection with comparatively few other historical facts. Doctrinal statement behind this. Under the fact of the resurrection, the fact of Christ's resurrection is firmly established by the Scripture. There's the doctrinal statement. That buttress is simply, and of course it says buttress and supported, but a buttress is a wall that supports a, an exterior wall. Okay, so, so it, is, it is supported by corroborative proof. What is that corroborative proof? He was he was seen of me and above five hundred men. You know, and yeah. So he was seen, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything be established. So he was seen by above many more than two or three, and so there 
it was established. And then even our Roman calendar. Because again, B.C. stood for before Christ. And of course, A.D. doesn't mean after his death. But A.D. means after his, you know, he, he come to this earth. But in the year of our Lord, I mean, you know, and the, just the fact that if it would have died, if he hadn't got up, then, you know, it would have just all just died off and people would have still been looking. They still are, but anyway. So I think that's a good place to stop because the next one is a very long section. And it's the evidences of the resurrection as seen by. And then it goes into all kinds of things. Uh, a, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Yeah, it goes through H. So, uh, the evidences of the resurrection. We'll get into that next time. Yes, sir.